0: Dan and Patrick, um, ambao Tunenea nino la mungu. secure. Ah, Katika kitabu cha um, wakolosai na imekuwa nebaraka sana. Uh, kwa hizo jumapili mbili, ambazo siku wa huku, imekuwa nikipuatelia um, uh, the summons and they have really greatly blessed my heart um so we we thank God that we are here to listen to the word of God um i am here to present the word of God and not my own thoughts praise the lord uh, i pray that God um would be able to help me to minister what is in his word and not what i am thinking um When I stand before you, I should be able to minister really the Word of God and to minister Christ and Him crucified. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, So we thank God that we have been doing the book of Colossians, and uh, as we start, I would just want to do a summary what my brethren had done before me. That is Colossians chapter 1. I think we have done five Sundays. Five Sundays. And this is the sixth Sunday that we are doing the book of Colossians. And we thank God that God is using us to speak to us. Praise the Lord. If you see me stand before you to minister to you the word of God, I pray that God will minister to me first. And even as I was going through the, the text in, um, in Colossians chapter 2, um, I thank God that God ministered to me even through his wife. And um, let's pray. Ewe mungu, sababu, ya siku hia leo ambayo unitupa asante sana mwenyezi Mungu kwarehema na fabili zako ambazo zinadumu mileni. asante sana mungu kwa watumishi wako ambao wamekuja hapa ewe mwenyezi mungu usikiliza neno lako Mwenyezi Mungu tunaomba ya kwamba rao mtakatifu atatunenea neno lako ewe mwenyezi mungu ya kwamba alitakuwa neno langu, bali litakuwa ni lile neno ambalo limeandikwa katika kita kuchako Asante sana kwa kila mmoja wetu ya mungu natujua, natujua na mawazo yetu, natujua na tabu, zote ambazo tunapitia. Ewe mwenyezi mungu, asante sana kwa sababu lako linaweza lita tuhimiza rohoni ewe mwenyezi mungu. So, we have been looking at the book of Colossians, and um, this book is full of glorifying Christ, full of revealing the supremacy we are able to know that Christ is very supreme. Praise the name of the Lord. And He is highly exalted. And therefore, Christ is able to save because of His supremacy. Um, When we looked at uh, the first Sunday, our brother um, Patrick introduced this book. And he talked about the gospel bearing fruits. Praise the Lord. And we saw that Paul did not plant this church of uh, Colosse or the church at Colosse, but it was uh, a brother called Epaphras who preached the gospel to Colossians and reported to Paul about the Colossians' love for God and God's people. And um, Paul wrote um, on how he was praying for them. Once he heard about how uh, the Colossians are doing, how they received the gospel, Paul said that he had not ceased to pray for them. And what was coming out is about the gospel. They had faith and hope in the gospel. And this gospel, Paul was saying that it is bearing fruits not only in the, uh, at the church of Colossae but all over the world. The gospel is bearing fruits. Praise the Lord. And we were greatly challenged that we also need to, now that we have believed in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, we need to bear fruits. So, langu Kwako, Wewe Mishirika, Neno Hili, Je Matunda, Matunda, njema Mama Are you um, producing or bearing good fruits as a Christian? That's a great challenge because that's uh, the only difference that will uh, uh, differentiate us from the worldly people or those people who have not known the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we need to bear fruits as Christians. We need to bear fruits as the followers of Christ. Then uh, the second Sunday, um, we got a preaching from Colossians chapter 1 from verses 19, I mean 9 to 14. And our brother preached to us, Dan preached to us about redeemed for every good work. And we can still see the bearing of fruits. This good work is still uh, encompassing bearing of fruits. Matunda uh, Kwa Kwa Yesu Christo. And then we saw Paul's prayer for the Colossians. That they may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding that they may live a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing Him in every way. mungu kwa yale matendo ambayo Tunatukuza mungu. Are we filled with the knowledge of His will? The knowledge of, of God's will in our lives. People who are professing faith in Christ. Um, Then, the third Sunday, uh, we saw that Christ is supreme and therefore sufficient to save, which really comes out from uh, this book of Colossians, the supremacy of Christ. Christ is exalted, he is glorified, and therefore he is able, he is sufficient to save. Um, We saw different attributes of Christ We saw that he is the image of the invisible God. We saw that he is the firstborn of all creation. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Praise the Lord. In Christ, all things hold together. If If something is not making any meaning to you, then in Christ, things will have their meaning. In Christ, all things hold together. Um... (laughs) <laughs> uh, so if the reader But I hope that will not distract us from Listen to the gospel Praise the Lord um, Then uh, um, Then um, Our brother Dad also preached to us In In um, in Colossians chapter 1, from verse 24 to 29, about the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy um, of Christ that is so powerfully at work in me. Mm -hmm. That is what we learned on the fourth Sunday. And then last Sunday, our brother um, Patrick preached to us that in Christ are all hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ there is all wisdom. There is all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. So we should stay in Him and with Him. Mm -hmm. And um, we saw that uh, Paul really contended um, I mean contended for the church at Colossae that they may be encouraged that they may be knit together in love. So we saw that Paul um, though he had not met the Colossians hapo na wa Kristo lakini sababu ya upendo na That he had, praise the Lord, because of the love that he had for the brethren, he was contending for them, was contending for this church. And um, we also saw that uh, Christ is the treasure of all wisdom and knowledge. And then in verse 7, our brother uh, preached to us that we should be able to remain in Christ to remain in Christ. And so that is where I'm going to pick uh, up from, um, from verse 6. The Bible says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Mm -hmm. And so we are supposed to stay with Christ. We should stay in Him, now that Paul had heard about uh, how the Colossians were doing, now that you brethren, you have heard the word of God, what are you going to do? the Bible tells us that we need to just as we have received the Lord, let us continue to live our lives in him. we should be rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you are taught and we should overflow with thanksgiving but now Um, now, today's sermon, I'll just speak from there, and in fact, uh, from that verse 6 and verse 7, there is a reason why Paul is telling these people, now that they they have received Jesus as the Lord, they should continue living their lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith, as they were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. There is something that follows after that. And then, this is what the Word of God says uh, from verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than that of Christ. Mm. Now, we can clearly see, even as we read um, through chapter 2, up to the end of chapter 2, that there is something that comes out and that is one thing that we need to remain free in Christ. And that's going to be my, um, I've given it the head, um, that we need to remain free in Christ. Now, it seems the church at Colossae were facing some challenges, and one of them, was about false teaching that was cropping up in the church. And so, Paul is explaining to the man, actually, the voice that comes out is like a warning. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. And then he's going ahead to explain how this philosophy looks like, this argument. And then, um, verse 9, as we proceed, we are able to see ways in which we are able to remain free in Christ and not being again into slavery. Do you agree, brethren, that we have been saved, yes, but there are born-again Christians who are still living in slavery to sin, when I saw how is is called in Swahili? But they have given their lives to Christ. We are born again. We can be born again. But if we are not careful, if we are not rooted in the Word of God, as verse 6 and verse 7 was telling us, we can still be slaves. To people and to traditions and, and to views and philosophies when we are not careful, when we are not rooted in Christ. But as if you. Um, so, today we live in a world where there are so many new cults that are rising each and every day. Someone always claims that he is the Messiah. Someone will always claim to have the truth that not everyone else is having. These girls always claim some revelation, some new revelation, and calling people to follow it. That is contrary to the word of God, as Paul is telling us. And so how can we be protected from these spiritual slavery that many Christians commonly fall into? And how can we protect others? How can we protect your brother and your sister? Now, in this text that we have read from uh, verse 8 to verse 15, I will try and show us um, four ways in which we are able to remain free from slavery. And this will come from the text that we have read. What are some of the ways in which after we have been born again, then we'll ensure that we are not again into slavery, into bondage. Because you know, brethren, we are free in Christ. The Bible says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. We are free in Christ. But if we are not careful, we may end up being into slavery again. Now, I have listed these as um, in, in four points, and number one is by understanding the characteristics of secular wisdom. How will we know the characteristics of the secular wisdom, or the secular philosophy? Now let's see from um, verse uh, verse 8. It says this. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than that of Christ. See to it, brethren. So what comes out here is about philosophy. And is philosophy bad? I know I know uh on gina way to uh, I mean Badoni wanna funzi na at a CCP to the PTA Shunna, no gine badwa na in laya to philosophy. So is philosophy bad? That's my question for you. So philosophy in itself just means the love the love of wisdom Um, philosophy answers questions like how did we get here? What is the purpose of life? But philosophy is only a problem if it tries to answer these questions in contradiction to the word of God. No wonder that verse talks about deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than that of Christ this is our measuring factor yea as we have all these arguments and as we learn philosophy is it drawing us away from the word of Christ now um, I will read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 uh, from verses 19 to 23 um, it says in an IV, for it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand the mi- miraculous signs and the Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. That is the Word of God. Paul must have met these philosophers that were really uh, against the Word of God. He's saying that. Jews demand miraculous signs. That is what was demanded at that time. You are to preach the word of God to them. What are the miraculous signs? And what about uh, the Greeks? Uh, The Gentiles, they were demanding what? um, uh, So the, the Jews were demanding miraculous signs, and the Greeks were looking for what? Wisdom. But all is challenging them. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. That is our aim, brethren. We preach Christ that is crucified. And so, even as a Christian, a born-again Christian, what are you listening to? Is it exalting the work of Christ? Is it exalting Christ? Is it portraying Christ? Um, you know, Christ said that the the last will be the first, isn't it? And the first will be the last. When he was talking about teaching about service. But what does philosopher say? If you are the first, then be the what? The first. That is against the word of God. Our main guide should be solely the word of God. Christ and him crucified. Now, um, I want us to look at what Paul meant here. He meant that philosophy is very deceptive. False teaching typically has enough truth in it needs to lead people astray. They you you may as you look at it, it will look like it is very true. But the truth is it will lead you astray. Sometimes some of these philosophical thoughts are very logical. They yeah. there is logic in it. But it is against the word of God. And if we are not careful, this will lead bondage. So let us be careful about secular wisdom, because it is prone to deceive, especially the spiritually immature. Now, in the beginning, hawa. Alisema when Satan said that Eve would be like God, by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there was an aspect of truth about it. If you look at it, there is an aspect of truth about it. Because Adam and Eve would know more. They would, be, they would by necessity, be more like God. The problem was that Satan implied that this was the best for them and that God did not have good intentions. If you look at it; there is a very thin difference. Very thin line. That is the source of philosophy. People just arguing, arguing, arguing. When I was reading uh, through um, what my brother preached last time, I we was talking about this hymn that I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Christ died and that he died for me. Now, another characteristic of this secular uh, wisdom is that it is deceptive. I mean, uh, this wisdom is based on human traditions. It's based on human traditions. And what are traditions? Traditions are things which are, or that information which are passed down to us. Those are traditions. And we will look at Some of them. And I know you know some of them. So This secular wisdom is based on human traditions. And some traditions become idols. And they become distractors. And actually hinder the work of God. Look at what Jesus said to the Pharisees. In Mark chapter 7 verse 8 to 9. I will read. You have not let go. I mean, you have let go of the commandments of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. I pray that we will not be found in such a situation. That we are setting aside the commands of God so that we follow our own traditions. And Matthew, by the way, traditions are not bad. But it's going to be bad, remember, from the verse that we have read, if it is distracting us from who? Christ. And so these Pharisees, they they had let go the commandments of God and they they were holding on to traditions of men. Today, as a Christian, are there some things that you are doing as a tradition and you have left the word of God? You, You have set aside the word of God. I pray that God may help us, that we will not set aside the word of God and we follow the traditions of men. One of the questions we must ask ourselves as we look at these things we practice in the church today is whether they are from God's word or from man's word. If we do not distinguish between what is God, what is of God, and what is of tradition, then we become enslaved to tradition. We become enslaved to them. Now, what are some of the common traditions that we see in the church today that is really distracting people? I once attended a fellowship where um, someone did not have the right row. You know that one from reaching down down there. Especially for uh, our ladies, you know. and then the usher just uh, took that person aside and then told him to leave. I mean, told her to leave the service because they are not put on proper. Now, when we this is now, it's a distraction, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That is what Paul is saying. This secular wisdom; they follow the traditions, the traditions of men, about how people should put on what should be eaten and what should not be eaten. We will see this as we proceed with with, uh, chapter 2. If it is distracting you from Christ, it is a tradition. This tradition should be able to glorify the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are under Christ. We are under the law of what? Who? Christ. So, the tradition should not be able to hinder us. So, um, Christ reached a point where uh, he was saying, he was talking about the Pharisees, about this uh, uh, way of dressing, yeah? He was saying, uh, that is Matthew, Mark chapter 12, verse 38, watch out for the teachers of the law, they like to walk along with flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces. Jesus also said they made their um, the phylacteries, I mean their clothing wide and the tassels of their garments very long. This is a tradition. So as a Christian, are there some traditions that you still practice that is hindering you from Christ, from following So many, many traditions, you know, you know them, that can distract you from Christ. Now, um, the third thing about this secular wi- uh, wisdom is it's based on legal, legalism. Legalism. And this will be expounded as we proceed in this chapter two. So legalism can only come in different shapes and sizes, e.g. one may have been raised in a Church where women don't put on trousers and maybe they are told not to go to movie theaters. Obviously, they did this to protect men from lust, isn't it? But uh, is it the word of God or it is the tradition of men? And if this is too much exalted that it is distracting people from Christ, then it is what? Legalism. It is legalism. So we should be careful, we should be careful on some of the things that we practice, they may actually be termed as legalistic if it is um, distracting us from the word of God. Uh, there is this rich uh, person, the rich young man that Christ had told to sell all his properties and and follow him. That was uh, a personal command to that uh, rich young man. It was a personal command from Christ to this rich young man. And so if we are in a place where you're being told to sell all the things that you have today so that you can follow Christ, then it becomes legalistic. It becomes legalism. So we should be able to be very careful about some of these um, uh, legalistic behaviors. And then we saw people being taught do not eat this about the day of worship and all that. If We practice them and then they are distracting us from the law of Christ. From the supremacy of Christ. It is legalism. Now that point, number one, that we, have, that we have exhausted. I just want you not to forget one thing. One thing. If you're not able to remember others, but please remember this. And I will quote that verse. See to it that no one make, takes you captive through whole and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and basic principles of this world, rather than that of Christ. Please don't forget that. Which is how we will. Anything that we do, anything that we listen to, what we say, these philosophies and human tradition are they taking us away from the way of Christ? That is what I pray that God may help us to capture. Now, let me go to number two. How does the church remain free? Remember, I have said in number one, we should be able to know the characteristics of the secular wisdom. Number two, the church remains free by understanding the Christ deity. But Christ is sufficient and supreme. Let's read. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Mm. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Christ is the head over every power and authority. KJV says this, Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of Godhead bodily. In Christ, we have the fullness of Godhead. Christ is fully God. He is fully God. Mm-hmm. And he is also fully man. Paul, in this text, uh, in the next few verses, makes the argument that Christ is enough and we do not need any extra revelation. Mm-hmm. He teaches this in several ways. First, when we understand who Christ is, it keeps us from slavery, slavery, To false teaching, if you understand that in Christ all the fullness of deity dwells bodily, in Christ we have the fullness of God in Him, we will be kept away from these wrong teachings. Mm -hmm. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and the the preceding verses uh, it says and you have been given the fullness in in Christ. We are rich. Whatever Christ has done in our lives, salvation, it is sufficient. Christ is supreme. Christ is exalted. He is worthy to be praised. Christ is God. Jesus plus nothing equals to everything. We don't Add Christ to anything, we have everything. Praise mm. the Lord. Mm. But what if we add Jesus plus something? Amen. Plus something, what happens? There is, that is null and void. Mm. There is nothing there. Yeah. Jesus plus something equals to nothing. Uh, we have we had looked at the book of uh, Galatians and we saw how these people, the the Galatians were being swayed, the church at um, Galatia was being swayed to still practice something on top of salvation, mm-hmm. to practice circumcision and all that. They were trying to add Christ to something which is equal to nothing. Let's purely depend on Christ's deity. He is sufficient. And so, brethren, if we listen to any teaching, any teaching that is trying to undermine Christ that he is not equal to God, that's a wrong teaching. It's a wrong teaching. This is how so many people have been led astray today. We know those I don't know whether they are religions that talks about you know like the Holy Spirit they are are saying it's the active force of God. Or oh, Christ is lesser than God. The Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and all that. That is false teaching. So, Paul says in Christ the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. The word lives can be translated as it dwells. The fullness of God is permanently residing with Christ. If you want to know God, you should know Christ. Praise the Lord. Because God is in Christ. Any church or ministry that does not have the, this orthodox Christology is not of God. I pray that God will help us. And this is a way in which we are able to remain free even as we serve If we don't know our sufficiency, our sufficiency in Christ, we will seek our fulfillment from other things. Do you know that you can get fulfillment from money when money is in your pocket? How do you feel <laughs> when you have a lot of money in your pocket? How do you feel when you pass your exams? How do you feel when you have a girlfriend? that loves you, or a boyfriend that loves you. How do you feel when you have a family? You know, we can have our contentment in so many things. So many things. But isn't it deceptive? Very deceptive. I can depend on my family member, which is good. But what if Christ takes them? Where will our hope be? You can depend on money, but money can also grow wings. Isn't it? It does grow wings. A very false hope. Very, very false hope. Uh, so, in, in, in talking about our friendship and all that hope, I'm not interfering with people like Patrick who are soon working. Yeah. <laughs> but someone may find um, himself or herself that they really depend upon these people and not Christ. Let mm-hmm. them not be us from Christ. Praise the Lord. Christ is sufficient. He is sufficient. He is all in all. It's good to have all these, but let us remember to trust in who? In Christ. And so this sufficiency of Christ should be able to alleviate all other trusting, all other teachings that we have that is contrary to the word of God. The Writer says, Do not be enslaved to the love of money or things. Instead, be content with God. And remember that common verse in 1 Timothy 6 6. What does it say? 1 Timothy 6 6. Yeah. And godliness with contentment is of great gain. Godliness with contentment. How do we get this contentment? Through the deity of Christ, the sufficiency. Christ is very sufficient in our lives. Let's go to the third point. The church remains free by understanding the deliverance and forgiveness of sin in Christ. We should be able to understand um, that our deliverance and forgiveness of sin is found in Christ. We will read in him we you are also circumcised, Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 to 13, in him you are also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God. Who raised him from the dead? When you were dead in your sins, And in the circumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Mm. There um, there are people today um, that teach about you. You could confess your sins through a human being, isn't it? It's a human being that forgives sins. We know these some of these teachings. Where do we have our deliverance and forgiveness from sin? If it's not in Christ, it's purely in Christ. If we understand this, if we understand that Christ has circumcised our hearts, we were once dead in the uncircumcision of our sinful nature, but God made us alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. He forgave you. Praise the Lord. And if you sin, the Bible says that if we sin, He is faithful to forgive us. Is it? If we confess, our sins is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the word of God. But a Christian can be taught False teaching that there are some things that you must do, you must do for you to be forgiven your sins. If we understand that it's only in Christ who has circumcised our hearts, is mm. able to forgive all our sins. Mm. We will be contented in him. So, circumcision, why is this so important by the way? it was, it was You know it was a symbol that the 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 Jews they belong to God isn't it yeah. but now the circumcision of our hearts Christ has saved us and so Paul says whether you are circumcised or you are not circumcised that is of, it's of no what good mm. but believing in Christ trusting in him for salvation that is the circumcision the message of salvation The Christ work of salvation that has happened in our hearts that is what has circumcised our hearts. We now trust Him. It's beautiful to know that Christ has forgiven us all our sins. That thought will make our minds to be free. And so we, we are also seeing something about baptism there. having buried um, with him in baptism and raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. So both circumcision and baptism were actually, they are serving as external physical symbol of our relationship with God and mankind. You are dipped into the many, many waters as a symbol that you have died with Christ. You are raised. It's a symbol that Christ has is recent. Just as Christ died and rose again, baptism serves as a symbol of dying to the old self and beginning a new life. What else serves as a protection for the saints from being enslaved? So, um, Paul... um, visually pictures the forgiveness in verse 14. Um, it says that because of Christ, God canceled the written code. I want us to read that verse. Um, someone to just read for us verse 13 through to 14. And you, who are dead in your trespasses and circumcision of your flesh, God made a life together with him, having forgiven us This he set aside leading it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame and triumph him over them Amen. So we remember we are still in the third point that the church remains free by understanding their deliverance and forgiveness of sin is in Christ. And so in verse 14 we can clearly see that Paul visually pictures this forgiveness. He says that because of Christ, God cancelled the written code. Written code literally means something written with the hand. Christ cancelled the written code. I guess in, 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 the, in the early Jewish community, if you had a debt, it was being written down. It was being written down and in, in something like a, a scroll or a certificate. And uh, so, Paul pictures this. He says that because of Christ, God canceled the written, code and all its legal demand. All its legal demand, brethren. We know that we were not able to keep the law. We had sinned, we were not able to keep the law. And so if one was not able to keep the law in the old testament, what happened to that person? They were stoned, didn't they? Some. The law was very harsh, very, very cruel. And so because we we had sinned, these are the legal demands. The legal demands that were. They were against us. But the Bible says that it was canceled. What a beautiful thing that Christ has done for us. Why are we talking about this? And how does it help us to remain free in Christ and not to be in slavery again? There are some teachings that teach that when someone is weighed down, probably somebody has sinned, Is something that you still need to do now when we know that Christ had cancelled this written code and all its legal demands, we will remain free, we will continue to praise Christ that is the one who is able to save us. And so, uh, the reason we are in debt to God is because of his law. God is a holy God. and He has given his law to his people. In the Old Testament, God uh, gave his people the Mosaic law with the Ten Commandments. However, at Christ's death, God wiped away the certificate of death, each person owed, and the law that was against us. God did this in dramatic fashion by nailing it to the cross. Mm. When Christ was Nailed to the cross. What was written above the cross? Yeah. Is that the reason why he was crucified? Isn't it? And so, when we are in Christ, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that our sins were nailed to that cross. Praise the Lord. So, in the ancient times, when a person was taken to the cross, his crimes were nailed above him. So, we saw this with Jesus, it was written King of Jews. He was not crucified for any sin he had committed, but he claimed he was the Messiah, the King of Jews. Mm-hmm. So, we thank God. We thank God. We are bursting into praise that our sins were nailed on his cross. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the fourth and the last point. The church remains free by understanding our victory over sin, over Satan, in Christ. It's the church remains free by understanding our victory over Satan in Christ. or it is in Christ. Our victory over Satan is in Christ. And so we're going to look at verse 15. It says this, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So another thing that will keep believers from being enslaved to sin, and the philosophies of men is understanding Christ's victory over Satan. And and that that word um, there is—I've just remembered—that's not captured here, but uh, the seed of the woman who was supposed to crush the serpent's head, isn't it? Where do you get that? Genesis Oh, Genesis 3.15. I've just remembered. <laughs> <laughs> the seed of the woman, who was this seed? And it is this seed who is able to crush Satan, isn't it? So when we understand this, when we understand this, we are able to know that Christ has power. What did Christ do to these authorities? He disarmed them. You know, disarming means uh, you strip of all the weapons. He disarmed Satan and all these authorities. Because we live. Um, in, in a world today, where people fear so much, you know, in Colossians, as we will see later, they were worshiping angels. There was a worship of angels, and um, people who today, people who are demonically possessed, they are people who take them through rigorous exercise. Some people actually literally beat them or kill them for this devil to to live their lives. But is that person understanding that Christ's work defeated all the works of Satan? Mm. Do we understand that? You know, sometimes when we sin, we actually give a leeway to the enemy to oppress us. Is it true? Yeah. Sometimes when we do sin. And so we have Christians that are possessed I mean they have allowed they, they we we continue to live in sin even after we have heard the word of God. But if we do not abide in the word of God we give a room for the devil. The Bible says do not give the enemy a foot, isn't it? So when 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 this happens let us know that Christ has power over Satan. He has power. He disarmed them. I guess this is a symbolic it's symbolic when um a, a, when a roman soldier had, had, had um, exploited and conquered the enemy he would actually make a public uh, spectacle you know he would actually even um, what he has captured from the enemy he would display they would display and even give to people and all that this is what christ did to Satan. on the cross on the cross, Christ defeated Satan. And so when we understand this, we are going to remain free in Christ and know that we should not be again involved with in some of these philosophies. So Christ disarmed the powers and principalities. Um, Satan no longer has power Over the believer because he was tricked by Christ. So um, let's read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 to 15. Um, Since the children, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 to 15, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared. their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death Mm. that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death do you fear death A logic human, a logic human will at our upper people simple. Yeah, because you really want to live, but um, remember that when we are in Christ, we are set free, even from the fear of death. I mean, Paul says to live, for me to live is what is Christ, but today to die is what It's gain. It's gain. I mean, I've not yet reached there. I pray that I may reach there. That when I think of that, I know that I'm going to be away with Christ. To be with Christ forever and ever. And so, even when you look at the disciples of Christ before the death of Christ, I mean, before the resurrection of Christ, what did these people, I mean, they were fearful. Were they hiding? They were actually hiding. Some of them were hiding. They really feared. But after, after the death, after resurrection of Christ, these people were very bold. They actually did not fear even death because of Christ. When we have this, we are free. When we know, when we have this knowledge of the scriptures, we are free from what people will torment us with. Or oh, do like this and this and this. If you don't do this, you will die. But for us Christians, when we die, it's a great gain. Can you come to that knowledge, that understanding, that when you die, you are with Christ, but when you are living, it is, it is for who? Christ. I pray that God may help us. And knowing that, um, that our, understanding, uh, our victory over Satan is in Christ, We should be able to abide in Christ and walk in that victory. We should be able to abide in Christ and walk in that victory. And number two, to minister to those who are demonically oppressed. How do you minister to these people who are demonically oppressed? Do you believe there are people who are demonically oppressed? Yes, dad. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) dad. And so how how do we minister to them? How do we minister to them? I Yes. Um, when we have that knowledge that Christ has power over Satan, we will point them to Christ, isn't it? Who is able to um to cast them? <laughs> yeah. So when we see demonically oppressed people, we we should actually have pity on them, didn't? Yeah. And we pray that God may give us wisdom to minister to them and point them to Christ, who is able to deliver them. What about exorcism? Okay. Point four. Another day. Uh, dear brethren (laughs) 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 dear brethren as we conclude we must be aware that though a believer is free in Christ if we are not careful there are things that still can take us captive and we need for us to avoid this we need to remain in him Mm -hmm. we need to remain with Christ let us not uh, put our hope in any other thing except the deity of Christ and the sufficient or the sufficiency of Christ. The enemy will often attack through philosophy, secular wisdom, but we need to continue trusting in God that we will be able to identify some of these secular. Sufficiency in Christ will also keep us from becoming a slave to many of other traps of the enemy. Many today are captives, born again Christians, to pornography, insecurity, anxiety, depression. In this passage, Paul teaches us how to be kept free from slavery. Let us remain with Christ and remember about the sufficiency. Of Christ. Mm. May God bless us, brethren. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, friends. for so opening the Word of God to well, us. I feel edified and I, I enjoy